is. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord God, to live, to move, and to understand, to have our being in you, to receive the revelation of your hope, your faithfulness to us in the midst of this um, ongoing spiritual war. We thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness, completing the work that you began on the cross and continuing it even today through our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the gospel of grace and for the revelation of grace to each one of us that we can live without guilt. We can live in the fullness of your love and peace and protection, even confessing the sins that we commit under the counsel of deception and continue to walk in the fullness of your favor, blessing, and truth. Lord, I thank you for the true gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the gospel of, of good news and grace and forgiveness and love. I thank you, Jesus, that you've given us power to forgive, power to love, power to live, <clears throat> and power to believe and hope in you. I thank you, Lord God, for the promise that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach. I thank you that even today the technical difficulties that Satan has tried to rage against us and wage against us have been brought to naught, and that this show is released to a further, greater population with deeper, more uh, movement in our hearts than ever before, Father God. Whatever Satan tries to do to resist us, Father God, I pray that you'd multiply and use the opportunity to multiply and deepen and intensify everything that you've permitted us to do, Father. We pray for divine protection over our lives, over those who work for us and pray for us and love us, over our children, and the perceptions all of us have about you, Lord God, that they'd be corrected, that we'd walk in the grace and the truth and the forgiveness and the power of your relationship, of your love, and of your heart. And now, Father, we ask you to give us wisdom that each of us would hear. We'd have ears to hear. The devil cannot snatch this from us, eyes to see, and a heart to receive the hope that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, it's good to be back live, sort of live, uh, with you guys in person. We've been gone for a couple of weeks and had a couple of reruns. But you know what? I think they're pretty good, too. So we're here today to talk about hope deflated. Um, this world is crazy right now, and lack of hope is kind of driving people Well, there's so much going everywhere. on. There's Spas so much scattering. going on that takes away hope from people. You know, and, and hope really, by dictionary definition, is a, it's a feeling of what is wanted and what that what is wanted will happen. Mm -hmm. A feeling that what is wanted will happen. And, and it's a desire accompanied by anticipation or expectation. Yeah. So it's something that we want and we're looking forward to, to it happening. And in the New Testament, the word that's used for hope primarily is means to anticipate pretty much the same to anticipate with pleasure or to have expectation, usually the expectation of good, mm -hmm. and, ex and confidence, mm -hmm. confidence that something good is going to happen. Well, I think that even though the dictionary defines it this way, I think hope has already been defined in our hearts by God himself when he made us. And the, the spiritual hope that we have is a hope for the restoration of justice and truth and validation and uh, righteousness in the earth. I think that we're built to want and desire those things. And so hope it gives us that strength to wait for it. And I know a lot of people uh, define their lives by their feelings. And hope then becomes easily deflated because we're, we're basing our, our lives on our appearances, uh, what it looks like and what it feels like. And a genuine hope is not based on appearances. It's not based on feelings. Okay, especially for those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, our hope is in God, of course. Yeah. <clears throat> but you know, all, all today there's an all-out war, really, guys. 
There's an all-out war against hope because um, the enemy wants to destroy hope, especially those who have hope in God. He doesn't mind people having a little false hope, a little uh, you know, momentary uh, expectation and excitement so that he can drop them and, and they can fall again. But for, for, the, really, for the, the war against the hope in God is, is to steal hope, to create that sense of hopelessness, um, that sense of doom and gloom and surrender, deflating, uh, subduing our hearts um, to surrender to the grip of evil because Satan right now wants to uh, blanket the whole earth in that spirit of hopelessness. Well, uh, generally, you know, backing up a little bit, generally, you know, everybody has some type of hope or dream, okay, hopes or dreams. Uh, you know, people expect to have, uh, you know, good relationships. You know, when people get married, they're hoping for a happy marriage. The, you know, they're they're hoping to live happily they're ever after. Hoping for some peace in the world. Uh, and people, yeah. you know, are hoping that you know they'll have uh, you know good health or wealth <laughs> or just you know recognition things, from others, right. good things. Or some are looking for power or whatever they, their definition is of success. And then, you know, happiness, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. But then what happens is that we quickly find out, you know, life is very uncertain. The old definition of, of uh, life is, is what happens to you while you're making other plans. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, so often what we think and hope will happen does not turn out that way. In fact, right. the very opposite seems to happen. And then folks get discouraged, depressed, <coughs> angry, bitter, even uh, suicidal, and just say, hey, life is not worth living. There's no hope, so I well, might as well end my life. I think the more that God is extracted from the minds and the hearts and souls and consciousness and conversations of the people, the more God is minimized and, and marginalized, the more people lose hope. And, you know, the news is full of that. You know, even in our personal lives, we have hope, and hope is being shattered. But in the, in the, in the bigger context... Um, as we listen, you know, to the real news full of fake news and the hatred, I think the hate, the, the thing that, that for the Christian, for the believer, you know, yeah, obviously we're going to have hopes and dreams and things and disappointments and whatnot. And I think that's kind of par for the course. I'm not saying we should accept all of that. But I think in the bigger context, as believers, we have a bigger view, a bigger worldview, a bigger destiny in mind. Um, you know, we're we're not just here for uh, a little while. It's not that we have a, you know, we have uh, two sets of reality. Really, we we are told by God not to judge by appearances um, and to not make our decisions based on what things look like or how we feel. So, actually, for the believer, there are two sets of reality. We see the reality out there in the world right now, which is forest fires and hurricanes and and earthquakes, violence, and violence, massacres. And, uh, yeah, we see all of that, and you know that can discourage and pull people away from God but here when we understand as a believer that we are there's two sets of reality for us we are based in a time space continuum right now um, in the dimensions of earth um, our temporal place of exile actually we are living now in a place of exile not in, a, in our home and the other uh, reality is based in heaven and it's the place where our true home is and it's the origination origination of our, our eternal existence. And so for those of us who have the, the luxury of the revelation of Jesus Christ and salvation, we have to be disciplined to not be so pulled into the devil's um, uh, agenda, uh, his smoke and mirrors, his trying to discourage, dissuade, 
persuade, uh, agitate, divide, create civil war, uh, distract people from the true bigger picture of what God is saying and doing. Well, you know, there can be a sense of hopelessness that can grip, you know, not just the world in general where there's fear and intimidation and Mm -hmm, all that and, and despair, but there's also can grip the believers. I think, you know, right. we, were, we were anticipating that in what you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like uh, Job, for example, was a righteous, godly mm-hmm. man. Yeah. And he got to the point in his life and he lost his, what, his kids, his business, his Finances, livestock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, in, in a sense, his, his reputation. reputation. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and uh, but th- he said at one point, he said, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. But he also said in chapter 13, right in the middle of that book, he said, though he slay me, referring to God, yet will I trust him. So there was this, you can see this kind of back and forth battle battle between his emotions, his feelings, his soul, and his spirit, what he knew to be true. And and that's, you see that, Marjorie, in the Psalms. Mm -hmm. All the the time. All the time. Oh man, my enemies are coming against me. I'm sick. You know, nobody understands me. And it's not like so, so much a, a, a self-pity as a matter of co- complaint. This is what's going on. My enemies are raging against me. Right, uh, right. It's and, reality. And, and it's, it's reality. Looks, and yeah. Job, in this moment, I mean, he was saying, you know what? My my expectation is just is like it? gone. But he But my redeemer lives, he, he said. He so said, he, yeah. yeah. So Though he, he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yeah. So he, he battled through it. He didn't. He was not overwhelmed. He had those moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think every great man or woman of God that we read about in Scripture had those moments. There's this a temptation. Of hopelessness. Yeah. Despair. It's a spirit of hopelessness that comes to tempt right. us and to try to pull us away from the promises of God, because really hope is based in the promises of God. Um, it's kind of sandwiched right between faith and love. Faith, hope, and love. We always say faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Faith reaches for the to the promise to receive it. Hope strengthens faith to endure the weight, because obviously there's, there's always a weight when you're waiting for God, the promises of God. And love demonstrates the power of hope to not grow weary by continuing to to take advantage of the time, the opportunity, even the lack of opportunity to do good, to love others, um, to to be Jesus to the world until the fullness of the promise comes. So um, we were, you know, to, to get this and stand in this kind of hope, Job had to know, we have to know, you have to know that we were not, we are not our own creation. We are not our own idea. We didn't come forth of our own will and determination. We came forth, brought forth uh, by the will and purposes of God, created by a divine will and an intentional desire of God who, who fathers us, who who wants us to be part of his family. This is our eternal destiny. This is hope fulfilled. This is, you know, um, we have hope deferred. And those are temporary things that Satan uses to try to dissuade us from believing that God is really able, capable, loving, caring enough to complete the work, the promises that he's given us. Now, some of you have been given super big promises by God. In your spirit, you know God's given you great, mighty things to believe him for. And yet your life looks just the opposite. Just the opposite. And sometimes, you know, in that, that for now, the way right that, now. right, the way that manifests is in prayer. You know, you mentioned uh, Proverbs thirteen twelve. hope deferred makes the heart sick. Right. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. So sometimes 
you know, sometimes the more intensely you pray for something in yeah. faith, the worse the circumstances look. And, and what happens yeah, yeah. is that it's a, the devil's way of faking us out. Yeah. As yeah. to say, well, this isn't working. Look at you pray, you serve God. You know, your kids get more and more rebellious. Mm-hmm. Uh, the person deems gets that you're praying for for healing gets sicker and sicker and sicker, yeah, and yeah. maybe even they even pass away. <laughs> mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. some people, and then you, then faith is 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 shaken by those kinds of uh, of, of circumstances. Well, this is it goes back to the understanding. You have to understand the paradigm here. Uh, God wants to bless us, and Satan wants to test us. He right. wants to prove to God that God's workmanship in us is faulty. And so that if, 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 if we're crying out to God, God says, ask, Jesus says, you've, you've asked nothing in my, fa- ask in my Father's name, ask in my name, ask, seek, find, da-da-da, it'll be given to you. And it has to be, because otherwise God is an absolute liar. And, but the only problem is we don't know when and how that answer will come. I think we sometimes imagine how we want it to come, and that becomes a way Satan sets us up, because then all of that goes away, and it looks like nothing's going to happen. But, you know, w- really, when you're praying like that, Jerry, when you're praying, you know, intensely sacrificing, getting up early, on your knees, fasting, making it a, a very rigid kind of duty-oriented thing, it, it, it's, it's bound to break you. It's bound to, to set you up because it's being, sometimes we're doing that out of religion instead of out of just, it's a duty rather than devotion. I really believe we can't, um, you know, you can't please God by sacrifices uh, you please God by love and forgiveness and abiding in him and, and letting his Holy Spirit work through us. Let me give you a scriptural example. There was, you know, there's a uh, Naaman who was the commander-in-chief of the army uh, of Syria back in the day. We hear so much about Syria in the news yeah. these days. And Nothing's he was, changed. He, had, he was a great, successful military leader, but he was a leper. Yeah, and and the, his little s- the servant girl that was helping in his house said, "Yeah, well, why don't he, why didn't he get a hold of the prophet Elisha and uh, he would heal him of his leprosy?" And so, uh, in anyway, they sent the um, uh, messenger to Elijah say, "Hey, won't you come now? Uh, he wants to be healed." And he and the, the, the prophet did not even go there himself. He just sent one of the. He just sent word. He just basically. Uh, out the door, he said, "Well, uh, just go, um, mm-hmm. go tell him to wash in the pool of Siloam, uh, in not the pool of Siloam. The river That's of another Jordan, one yeah. in the New Testament. In the Jordan, dip seven times uh, in the Jordan River, and you're going to be healed." And the the Syrian commander Naaman got really mad about that. He said, "Well, that's not what I th- how I thought it was going to be." Mm-hmm. He said, uh, "He said, uh, uh, he said, I verse 11." Second uh, Kings chapter five, but Naaman became furious and went away and said, "Indeed, I said to myself, surely he will come out to me and yeah. stand and call on the name of the Lord mm-hmm. and wave his hand over the place and heal me of his leprosy." And he says, "Well, are there not uh, Abna and Farfar and the rivers of Damascus better than all the rivers of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean?" So he turned and went away in a rage. He said, "Well, listen." He says, that's not the way I thought it was going to be. Right. And he's getting mad about it. Mm-hmm. But finally, he has one of his servants that convinces him, say, hey, listen, mm-hmm. you know, if he would have told you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? Why, why not just, just go ahead and do it and see what happens? So he says, okay. So he, he's obedient, dips seven times in the Jordan. He's healed of his leprosy. So a lot of yeah. times we just <coughs> think, 
This is how God's going to answer the prayer. This is how God's going to work. This is who God is going to bring into my life. Right. Um, and, and really, we've missed at that point then. That's, that's our soul. That's the enemy setting up a scenario that he can defeat because we really want to be in any particular situation, trauma, tragedy, terror, dread, uh, injustice. We want to say, thy will be done, O God. What is your plan? Clue me in to what you got going here. And you know, remember this, that we're, for all, that all things work together for good to those who love God, Romans eight twenty eight. All things, everything. So when Satan makes a move in your life to bring cancer, destruction, financial ruin, flat tires, uh, broken marriages, whatever, God also has a, a remedy. He has a plan. He has a plan of restoration, and, and he will make a move. So whenever you are beaten up, the day goes bad, and you just can't wait for it to end, you just, just wait. Be patient. Say, okay, God. I see what the devil did. Now, what's your what's your move? What are you going to do here? And it's with that kind of hope and that kind of faith that we keep going because God really built hope in our hearts like a flame that does not die. Um, it's a flame that lights us, draws. See, our, our big, big picture here is we're on our way back to heaven. And this is a, 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 a sorrowful, difficult journey. And on this journey, we see many wicked things, we see any, any injustices and things that happen and things that are breaking our hearts. But um, in all matters, we are to seek the face of God to say, what is your will for me? What is the hope that you have put in my heart that will not die here? I mean, you, you have, I, we've all read stories of people who've been persecuted and martyred and, and uh, you know, put in prison and, and, and abused terribly. And yet they come forward with a greater love, greater power, greater victory than and you say, how do they do that? Well, the only way they can do that is through the grace of God. Well, you, you look at somebody like the Apostle Paul, who, who just was traveling around, mm-hmm. I mean, preaching, establishing churches. Getting beat up. Getting beat up, and yeah. cert- lied about, attacked by religious people, in shipwrecks. Discounted. Uh, discounted, <laughs> hated, rejected, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But yeah. he just... He just uh, he just kept on going. If Paul would have had some idea in his mind, oh, I'm going to be the twelfth <laughs> apostle. I'm going to start a mega church. I'm gonna. I am going to, you know, convert all of Samaria. You know, I'm going to, you know, preach in Rome, and there's going to be a great revival. What did he do? What was Paul's big deal? Oh, one Sunday morning or Sabbath morning or whatever it was. He went down by the river and found this woman doing her laundry, Lydia, a seller of purple, and he had a Bible study with her and started a church, a little church. I mean, honestly, people, you know, our expectation is in God. And if your will, if your expectation is in the will of God, then you will never be disappointed because it says in the Bible, hope does not disappoint. But it has to be hope anchored in God. That anchor in God is so important because you think of Jeremiah. God told Jeremiah, he said, okay, I've called you since before, before the foundation of the world, before you were formed in the womb, I called you and ordained you to be a prophet for the nations. Mm-hmm. And he says, basically, you're going to go preach to them. Nobody's going to believe you. Yeah. They're not going to listen. They're going to reject you. And he said, oh, okay. And so Jeremiah goes, preaches away. Preaches so he didn't away. have one convert, thinking, really. <laughs> he was thinking that somebody's going to believe, somebody's going to accept us, and he didn't have anybody. And finally, he said, at one point, he said, Lord, uh, okay, y- this is way more than what I bargained yeah. for. He says, you have deceived me. Oh. And God had not deceived but he said, well, this is really, m- I got into way more than what I ever anticipated. 
Yeah. But and but it's he no said he, and he said I'm just you know what I'm just gonna give it up. But he, he, he made that resolution, but it didn't last very long. And he said, but the word of God was burning in my heart. It was mm-hmm. like a fire shut up in my bones, mm-hmm. and I could I just couldn't stop. I had mm-hmm. to keep mm-hmm. fulfilling this. <coughs> this so is the power of God. Th- yeah. this, this is the thing is this battle, battle for hope, battle against hope. In those critical mm-hmm. times, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is this is where we are anchored in our hope in God, our hope in his word, even though the circumstances are well and crazy. But things happen that are evil, unjust things that we don't understand. But our anchor is in God. And that's what enables us to keep going. Well, you know, the thing is, specifically, personally, a lot of times we're buried underneath the you know, the injustices, the offenses. We look at the problems. We pray the problems over and over and then. Wonder why we don't have answers. Um, we cry out to God like the psalmist. Cry out all day long, God, asking, how long, God? Where are you, God? Um, why me, God? Um, uh, I can't do this. You know, th- We come to that place of decision where we're, we're saying there's the, the battle, the debate that's going on between our soul and our spirit. Our, our, our soul says, I've got to do this then. I can't trust God. I can't trust anybody else. It's not working. It's not happening. Uh, and the spirit says, trust in God, lean not to your own understanding and all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. But your spirit, your soul is saying, but wait a minute, I don't see any action here. I don't see any answers. I don't see any breakthroughs. I don't see any change. And I think waiting is one of the biggest trials of ever uh, of all time. So we, we realize that it's going to have to be me then. I'm, we're tempted to take on the matter ourselves. Well, we're going to have to do it ourselves, um, hold the fort, uh, make things happen. Uh, and, and we continue, you know, to dwell in this this mental uh treadmill of trying harder and never enough um and and frustrated then with god we become bitter temptation here is to go with i've got to do it god's not there and become bitter against god because god is not keeping his end of the deal and and bitterness is actually bitterness against god which of course is a spirit that's trying to tell you you're bitter against god it is a spirit that's tempting you to believe that you are bitter. Bitterness is a swallowed anger, anger that comes from injustice, injustices we see happening all around us uh, every day to the innocent, to, to, the, to just every, every way. If you look at too much, for example, if you looked at too much of the news, um, you're, it's going to rise, you're gonna, within you is going to rise up a, a righteous indignation. And that righteous indignation, um, if it doesn't get resolved quickly, can become... Uh, seething bitterness uh, and an anger against God, and so we um, w- we're tempted to take on these matters ourselves and not surrender them to God. But our hope is in God. Uh, that's where we become. We make that decision. Okay, I can't do this. I have to surrender it back to God. And if we can do that, uh, the bitterness has to go. But see, the thing is, again, bitterness is a spirit that causes you to believe. God is abandoning you. There is no hope. This is a terrible place to be. If you are caught in that place of bitterness and disappointment with God, you know, hope does not disappoint. True hope anchored in God and in God's will and in knowing, knowing, not thinking and and feeling and and, and looking, but knowing that God has got this. God is going to do everything he said, even though right now it doesn't look like it. So bitterness says, I ask you, Lord God, to forgive me. 
for judging you because that's a bitterness against God. We're judging God and you have no, you, we have no right, power, uh, perspective, perceptions, uh, wisdom to be able to judge God on anything. And so judging God to be released from a sin, you have to ask for forgiveness or you have to forgive someone else. You need to forgive yourself for holding God in judgment, so to speak, Mm -hmm. and ask him to forgive you for believing the lie that the expectations Satan put upon your mind and heart were something that God was obligated to fulfill when he wasn't. He was obligated and is obligated to keep his word. And so we need to line ourselves up with his word and promise, not our expectations or our perceptions or what we think it should look like. Well, judging God really is a misperception in the sense we if we judge God, we attribute to God what Satan is doing. The thing is, yeah. we don't yeah. understand mm-hmm. the great intense warfare that it's we're right. in uh-huh. and that, 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 that we have an enemy and that this world is 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 evil essentially i mean there's there's many things beautiful it means created originally by god to be good and beautiful but the the evil is saturating the earth and god said already what it was going to be like in the last days so we shouldn't be surprised about mm-hmm. that sort of thing but when we're going through things <coughs> like you know d- difficult times um I, mean, I just want to read from Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we what stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory and actually enjoy, right, mm-hmm. tribulations, Knowing that tribulation tribulation produces what? Perseverance. Rejoice. Yeah. It in takes all your a fiery lot of trials. severe things to produce perseverance. Right? It seems very contrary to what the world would say. Feel sorry for yourself. Grieve. Give up. Bad things happening to you. And yeah. the Bible says rejoice. Everybody should be happy, happy, happy. But rejoice. Tri- knowing that the tribula- tribulation produces perseverance. Mm-hmm. Or in, in the King James, it says patience and mm-hmm. patience or perseverance, character, okay, mm-hmm. and character, hope. So g- all these things are designed to help develop the character of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus, Jesus that's in amen. us. Then we want that character of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. his love, his joy, his peace, his power, his grace, his mercy, uh, you know, to be developed within us, within our that's personality. What, that's what God's Christ Holy Spirit, in yeah. us is the hope of Amen. glory. Amen. And he says now, verse 5, now uh, Romans 5, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So hope does not disappoint. Now there's, you think, you have things, if you have hope in the government or have hope in your wealth or have yeah. all your hope in your relationships, you know, our hope has to be you're, you're going to miss it mm-hmm. because uh, 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 it's like and, and, and hope, hope is only as good as what you have hope in. Right. And, and that would be confidence, confidence and hope in confidence, God and his goodness right. and his faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but see, the thing is, many people are set up on a principle of a false hope. You know, they look to the government for an answer. They look to um, other things. Uh, they look to their own achievements. They look to winning competitions. They look to ways to perform and, and prove their worth, their value, that they're good, that they're lovable, acceptable. And and that has nothing to do with uh, that process of trying to 
uh, define and maintain and identify and secure your worthiness, your hope. Uh, it, it has nothing to do with this whole scheme of things. God knows that this world is full of tragedy. He knows it's w- full of trauma. He knows that the devil is going to do everything in his power to destroy us. And he knows that Satan is going to petition to sift us as wheat. And, he, and Satan knows our weak spots. He knows that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now, just think about that. That's a very powerful, but, but when, it is, when the answer comes, it's a tree of life. So how many of you have waited, hoped, prayed, cried out, petitioned God on an ongoing basis for many years on a particular subject, probably having to do with a relationship with someone, um, and there seems to be no movement, no change, no breakthroughs. Um, so what are you going to do? Hope deferred. Or maybe you've been many days, many years, believing for something that now seems totally impossible, like it isn't going to happen. Uh, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to, again, here, here's your chance, your opportunity to pass it back to God and say, thy will be done, O God. As Jesus said, nevertheless, thy will be done. Maybe he went into the garden hoping that God had found another way. Uh, but he said, nevertheless, you know, if you haven't found another way, thy will be done. If I have to drink this cup, I will drink this cup. So he was submitted to the greater, bigger, broader, deeper, more eternal plan of God. Um, and, and so hope is a gift from God. And hopelessness is a demon that comes to st- steer you away, tear you apart. You must re- resist it. Submit to God, resist the devil. Most of the times we don't think of hopelessness as a spirit or an evil spirit or a demon. We just think of it as a feeling. We just think of it as depression. We just think of it as me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling hopeless. But, you know, when there is really no hope, le- hope left, then despair comes and s- despair whispers in your ear, will then take your life, will then end it all, will then throw in the towel. And this is a very critical moment because at this point, where Satan is tempting you to surrender uh, it all, kill yourself, give up, throw in the towel, God at that critical moment is right there also uh, beckoning you, you know, uh, counseling, consoling, comforting you, encouraging you to just give it to him. Just stop trying, stop fighting, stop resisting, stop trying to do this life yourself. And surrender. So this is a very, where, where hope hits or hopelessness, you know, hits the wall and you're ready to quit. That's the critical place where also divine surrender, surrendering to the divine will of God is right there in that same place. So the, the, the point is, what will the outcome be? Will you go with the hopelessness, the despair, the bitterness, the condemnation? I'm a failure. I don't deserve. God is mean. God isn't there. God doesn't love me. I missed the boat. It's my fault, blah, blah, blah. Or are you going to go with Thy will be done. God, I can't do this. I, I, I give you my life. I'm done with it. I used it all up. I, I used what I wanted. I got nowhere with it. I'll give you the rest of it. That's called surrender to the Lord God. And um, that's really where the place of conversion and life begins. Really. And, and it's a place to, this is where we trust. You know, when you, mm-hmm. when you understand, when you don't understand why things, I, I say, for example, you prayed for something. Mm-hmm. You prayed for, say, a loved one. You believe God. You believe God for healing, healing, healing for a loved one, and they passed away. 
what are you going to do? Are you going to get bitter and say, God didn't answer my prayer? You know, or what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Was there something wrong with me or my faith or something? Why was that? And you can live in the whys of that, <coughs> or you can trust God that there's a, there's a sovereign plan, there's a plan that's bigger than us yeah. that we don't understand. Well, we, we can't, we don't understand and we can't trace his plan. Yeah. We can, we can trust his heart that there is a purpose. We know, Paul said, we know in part and we prophesy in part. We know there's a purpose. We know God is love. We know God always has the very best in mind for us. Uh, and we know that in, in his time, and it says in Ecclesiastes, he makes all things beautiful, beautiful. in his time, <coughs> even right. though it may seem to be really, really ugly uh, right now, in his time. He makes all things beautiful as his plan is unfolding and being so. Fulfilled. So we have to recognize there is a war going on in the spiritual world against hope, against the hope that is birthed and born and carried in the hearts of believers to bring them to despair, hopelessness, unbelief, doubt, casting away of their faith. So, uh, but that hope is an eternal flame that God has put there. God is able to keep us uh, in every trial and temptation. So what destroys hope? Well, in the practical, what can destroy hope is looking too much at what the devil is saying, what the devil is doing, looking too much at the appearance, the circumstances, um, you know, listening to the news too much, um, filling your head with negative things. The Bible says, think on whatsoever things are pure, lovely, honest, just, and of good report. Um, And that's really a challenge Sometimes, um, maybe not so much as as we might think, but you know, if you if you if you take, don't let your mind idle in the mindless m- musings about oh no, what if the anxiety. Satan is trying to create anxiety, agitation, division, uh, war. He really has an agenda here, people. His agenda is to break us away from the hope that is in God. His agenda, Satan's agenda, is to. Cr- break the world apart, break America, break our unity, break our love, destroy us, uh, because we are the last force, really, uh, you know, uh, physical human government that is resisting the, the plan of the Antichrist. Now, we know the Antichrist is going to come, obviously, according to Revelations. It's, it's there. It's set in motion. Jesus talked about it. It's, it's in process right now, really. But America and all of this horrible, um, bitter hatred uh, that we can be so immersed in and watch too much can destroy our focus. And our focus needs to be in the, in the hope of God. So, number one, we, can, we, we need to stop. First of all, we, we need to not watch that so much. We need to spend more time in our Bible. As you read your Bible, something happens to you. Your DNA, your, your vibrations, your, your body, your life, your mind, everything calms down, especially if you read it properly. If you, if you read it with the religious glasses of condemnation, guilt, shame, and the, and, the, and the counterfeit gospels, reading the Bible won't do much good for you, probably make you feel more apprehensive until you remove those glasses and realize that this is the love letter from the Lord God to us. Um, and, and so... The thing is, so we we might need to uh, limit the amount of screen time, the amount of um, news time. We might also need to uh, 
forbid and, 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 and not take Satan's other options to escape the world. You know, a lot of people just don't want to be here. They don't like this life. They want to live in their fantasy world. <clears throat> they want to play their games. They want to live in a pseudo-reality, a pseudo-life. Um, they like to pretend, uh, pretend things aren't happening. They like to do the partying, denying and avoiding, um, tuning things out. Uh, so there's that is the other side <clears throat> of the torture rack of trying to manage how much of this negative garbage I'm going to take in. I believe be led by the Holy Spirit, and he will show you what to watch and what you need to know. We can't be ignorant of the enemy's devices, but at the same time, we can't waste our time trying to escape the life that God has given us to live. And so um, so to recognize this war, this bigger battle, this bigger paradigm, this bigger picture, um, and that we are here. We are here. Daniel said, those who know their God will do exploits in the last days. Those who are not taken out by fear, not taken out by anxiety, not discouraged, not their hope has not been deflated. As a matter of fact, you can say this. Every day that, that ends, every day that's done, is one day closer to the coming of the king, the return of the king. Every day. That is a for sure. That is a fact. Whether it's in the, in the bigger scheme of things or in your own personal life. Every day you are one day closer to the return to heaven. Uh, to be released from this this prison, this place of exile, and so we we as believers have much work to do here to dis- to encourage those who are discouraged to be grateful. Here's another thing um, that helps a lot is to be grateful. Again, thinking on things that are pure, lovely, honest, just, and of good report. Having an attitude of gratitude and rejoicing, like Paul says, like James says, <clears throat> even in your fiery trials, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Now, what crazy person out there in the world is going to tell you to count it all joy when you fall into temptations? They're going to try to give you some little remedies, some medications, some quick fix, some this or that. But nobody says, hey, this is an opportunity for the count it joy. God is doing something really big here, something to bring wisdom, revelation, redemption, conversion, a, de- a deepening of your relationship with God. People don't get excited about their trials. They don't get excited. But but when but see the thing is, if you can have hope, if you stay with the hope, God has given us that hope. Then these trials begin to make sense. We can get through some because our hope is anchored in God. Well, another thing too is to be able to give hope and encouragement to others. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes you know we are so we get so beaten down. It's just. It's just us and our little pity party. Yeah. And and the thing is, at those at those points, there's times where we think we have when we think we have nothing to give to someone else. You know, it's like the it's like the old saying you've heard it for years that, you know, you think you've got it really bad, and then you always find somebody else that's got it worse <coughs> than you do. Yeah. You know, and 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 but if you can just come to the place and say, Lord, show me how to be a blessing. There's plenty of people around that are being tested, that are being tried, that are, are sick, they're, 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 they're having all kinds of family issues. And if we can, <coughs> we can come alongside them, we don't have to give every bit of a, a solution to them. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to solve all the problems. But sometimes it's a matter of listening, it's a matter of praying, it's a matter of agreeing with them, it's a matter of coming against the enemy in the name of Jesus, it's a matter of just reminding them 
of the hope they have in Christ. Mm -hmm. Or maybe through that crisis, uh, coming to know Christ for the first time. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking as you started to talk about that, I was hearing you saying um, our words. You know, there there are people out there who we say, well, they're, they're the kind of people who look at life, the glass half empty. And there are people who look at life and the glass is half full. You've got the positives, the, the optimists, you've got the pessimists, the negative people. And, you know, some people are just more bent or predispositioned uh, in their programming in that the body of death operating system that goes on in them. It might relate to lack of serotonin or l- lower levels of dopamine or whatever, you know, chemical imbalances. But those come over the course of time, too, as a result of the, the, be- the beginning thing always begins with the lie we believe uh, and the words we believe. And so when people believe that it's, you know, never, you may be one of those that's kind of prone to being more negative. And, and I think there's also understanding that the more you know, uh, there comes with that knowledge, greater sorrow uh, and revelation of, of the tragedies and, and, the, and the, the loss of life and looking deeper into people's lives and souls and they look in the, into it themselves and you can see pain and you can see the tragedy, you can see the, the, the works of darkness. Of course, that can bring a, a sorrow. Uh, we're, not, we're not negating the, that sorrow is a bad thing. I think sorrow brings compassion. But at the same time, if you're a kind of person, remember the Bible says there's power, there's death in life and the power of the tongue. And words kill, words, words can heal. Um, a good report brings health to the bones. Uh, so therefore, a negative report brings death to the bones, and the bone marrow is in the bones. So that's directly connected with life. So, but but when you know your words, by your words you'll be justified. By your words you'll be condemned. Um, you know, we'll have to give an account of our words. And this isn't to make us paranoid that oh no, now God's eavesdropping on every word I say, and I've got to be so careful. That's not the point. The point isn't, oh, now I've got one more thing i got to worry about. you know. What's, but the thing is to be aware that if you hear things coming out of your own mouth that bring, but the fruit of it, Jesus said, by the fruits you shall know them. If the words that are coming out of your own mouth, you're speaking over yourself or o- over your situation, are negative, um, you have just given permission. You have just given an agreement by speaking those words to the enemy to bring forth um, whatever it is you're fearing, whatever it is you're saying. And, and you, 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 those who are negative or who have the, the pessimistic glass half empty kind of thing will be much more blessed if you have asked the Holy Spirit to help you, deliver you from that spirit of negativity or pessimism. We're not here to be Pollyannas. We're, we're not here to p- paint a, a false picture of reality. We are here to know the purposes of God as they're expressed through the Word of God in the context of the Word of God, the purposes of, the, of, of eternal salvation, the war between God and Satan, and your place in that war. Your place as a soldier in the war is to do exploits, to be a, an ambassador, to bring the Word of God, to bring hope to the, to the brokenhearted. That, and, and how can you do that if your hope is spattered and splattered, spattered and uh, scattered in some disappointment, bitterness, some forget it, get rid of that, say to that thing, be gone, because I receive the promises of God. It doesn't matter in this life how long it takes. God is still the one who's obligated to keep his word. 
He said, ask and you shall receive. You've asked, he's obligated to keep his word. Okay, so don't worry about when it happens, how it happens, if it'll happen, because God has got to keep his word. He's obligated to keep his word. That's who God is. He's faithful to keep his promises. He says in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, now this is the confidence. Uh-huh. Ooh, look at that confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we have asked of him. In other words, I mean, he hears, God hears everything, but he hears us. You can hear somebody and it's just like, I hear you. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. I'm listening to you. Oh, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. In other words, we're saying, I understand what you're saying. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I I spoke with a, a lady recently that was just praying she was so grieved about um i think she had 10 kids and one of her sons was not serving god and she starts praying and uh and we were in another country so it was i was understanding through an interpreter what she was praying and she was just going on and on and on and on praying the problem Mm -hmm. you know this is going on this is going on this is going on this is bad this is nasty bad and i and i stopped her through the interpreter and i said told her stop paying praying the problem Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, god mm -hmm. knows the problem Mm -hmm. so sometimes i think we just we whine well we're afraid we're 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 afraid afraid. we We don't even realize that when we pray like that we do not even realize that the enemy has manipulated usurped taken our our mind our words and twisted them to promote his cause through fear through unbelief and through fear Prayer is not worrying out loud to God. Yeah, right. Okay? Yeah. So the, the scripture says, it talks about pouring out your heart before the mm-hmm, Lord. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I believe that prayer is to be more fellowship with positive. God. It's, a, a discuss, it's not, a talking with God. It's, it's more listening to the Lord, listening mm-hmm. to the Holy Spirit, and talking listening with to him. His Word, letting Him speak to us, and then we speak to Him. Mm-hmm. But I think we should do way more listening than we do speaking. Well, you know, and I agree. I think that is called prayer. You know, mm-hmm. being with God, spending time listening, praying, talking. And the psalmists always were filled with these kinds of discussions, if you will. Psalm 71, starting with verse 4. And, and you you know, let's, let's pray this and hear this as the psalmist is really expressing, I believe, at least in my life, I can, I can put a lot of specifics on these, on these prayers. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked. Out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. How many of you right now are being falsely accused, put in a corner? Witchcraft is being practiced against you. Uh, an evil report has gone out against you. Um, they're slandering your good name. Um, they're believing lies about you, gossiping about you. Um, and and you're, you're kind of like hemmed in. He says, verse 5, For you, O God, you are my hope, O, o Lord God. You are my trust for my youth. Now, can you stand this intense pressure uh, of the of the riot uh, of words and thoughts and spirits against you at your place of work or at your in your school? Can you withstand that on your own? No. But he says the psalm says, "You, you, you are my hope. Uh, by you, I have been upheld from my birth. You are He who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually of you." This man recognized that his origin, his birth, his design, 
the, the, his, his being called forth, created, came from the specific intentions of God. God was there, upheld him from his birth, maintained his cause. When, this, when the devil wanted to kill him, God says he lives, he will live. It says in, and then verse 7, I have become a wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge. People are saying, you know, they're making up lies about you. You're, you're believing lies about yourself. Um, they, they, they contest your, your um, testimony in God. They, they say you're not genuine. They, whatever they do, the enemy accuses you. But my mouth will be, let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. So his response to this evil report, these nasty words spoken against him, this bitter assault against his character, his person, his life, was to praise God, to go back to recall the place of his birth, how he was formed. We are, our destiny is in God. God created us. He has our destiny. He has um, our hope. He, he, he is our hope. He has our life in mind. And then he says in verse 9, now he's going back to kind of like fighting, wrestling with this spirit of hopelessness. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. For my enemies speak against me. And those who lie in wait for my life take counsel together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and take him, for there is none to deliver him. In other words, he's been abandoned by God. So now is our time to grab him, to nab him, to destroy him. This is what Satan is always hoping that we will agree with, that God has somehow abandoned us, not there in that dark corner with us, not there at the bottom of the barrel with us, not there in that moment where there's no other one to look to for hope or rescue except God. That is, by the way, the best place to be when it's just me and God and he's got it. Then he, verse 12, Oh God, do not be far from me. Oh my God, make haste to help me. Let them be confounded and consumed who, have, who are adversaries of my life. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually. I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day. For I do not know their limits. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness and yours only. So here he is finding the secret path out of this horrible assault against his life by praising God, by meditating, by hoping continually, praising God more and more genuinely, not just, oh, praise God, praise God, but really genuinely anchoring in his hope to the faithfulness and the goodness of God. I'll praise you more and more. Tell of your righteousness. The more they pressure you and persecute you, the more you 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 explain, uh, display and explain uh, righteousness. Sometimes we can speak it with our mouths. Sometimes it's simply a testimony with our actions. Um, you are my salvation all day. I do not know your their limits, the limits of God's goodness. I will go in the strength of the Lord. You know, it says in the Bible... The way of the Lord is strength for the upright. So when you're walking in the way of the Lord, with that way comes strength, comes hope, comes wisdom, comes perseverance, comes joy, comes victory, comes validation, comes completion, comes uh, rejoicing, comes the love of God. So these fiery trials that we see now do not, number one, be distracted by the enemy and be pulled into this hopelessness. Don't go there. We don't have time for that. We have got a lot of work to do. There's a lot of harvest out there that yet needs to come in for the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ, the king, is returning soon, and he doesn't want us to sit down by the side of the road and feel sorry for ourselves, give up, or be hopeless. If you find hopelessness hanging around in your life, speak to it. Command it. 
it's you spirit of hopelessness, you spirit of despair, you spirit of giving up, you spirit that's trying to draw, dog me and, and drag me down. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of my life. I see what you're doing. I refuse it. I cancel out every agreement I've made with you. I cancel out every word I've ever sung your praises to you. I cancel those out with the blood of Jesus. And Father, I ask you to forgive me for listening to these lies and to declare that my hope is anchored in you, Lord God. You are faithful to complete the work you have begun in me. You mentioned about reading the Bible a lot, and, and the Psalms particularly are, are great blessings that way because you, you see that, that tension. You've got the psalmist we mentioned earlier. The, the, one, the writer of the psalmist is going through a very difficult time, and out of that he's writing. He's actually writing a song, mm-hmm. okay, a poem, a song. Ex- poetic expression of what he's going through you know the enemies are coming things are difficult things are tough but i get my focus on you lord and i'm trusting you i'm hoping like you said and uh, read in verse uh, 14 of psalm 71 but i will hope continually i will praise you yet more and more Amen. and so you get a word on that you see you realize mm-hmm. you're not alone in all this that's right there is no abandoned. temptation right. taking you but such as is what Common to man. The people of God have gone through these things for centuries, and so there's some comfort in that, you know. And so you're not alone in this. I think of uh, uh, when uh, there's no hopelessness in Christ Jesus because Christ is our hope. Uh, 1 Timothy 1.1 says Christ is our hope. Yes. And and, uh, Paul... uh, When he was shipwrecked, we read about in Acts Mm -hmm. 27, verse 20, and and just another example of a a guy, well, just a great man of God. See, the idea is that great men and women of God just don't have, don't have silver spoons in their (laughs) mouths. That's for sure. It's not all hunky-dory, okay? For sure. It says, listen to this point. Talk about a point of despair. He's been in a shipwreck for three days, Mm -hmm. okay? The it's hungry, wet, horrible, tired, hungry, wet, my cold, tired. Unbelievable. Just think temptation. of this now, Acts twenty seven twenty. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, mm-hmm. and no small tempest or storm beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. In other words, they were at the end of their rope mm-hmm. totally. And basically, but what happened? But God had told him God ahead of time. God given him a word mm-hmm. that everybody was going to be uh, spared. The ship, w- the the ship was going to get smashed up, but they had to stay in the ship. <laughs> he said, "Hang in there." <laughs> they had to stay in the ship. Hang in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody is going to be saved. Basically, what was going but on he behind got the scenes? A word. He got yeah. a word from, from the Lord. The Lord. Yeah. A heads up. A heads up. Really. And he and he brought that word to the people. Because the because the heads up was God was saying basically, uh, in so many words, okay, uh, the devil has got the ship. He 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 he's going to take it out, send the tempest. He's going to you know try to destroy. But but here's my deal. I got the souls. He got the ship. I got the souls. It's all good. It's a war. We're, we're, it's a war. That we don't realize that this war is going on constantly. Now let's kind of end with a another quick word from the book of Lamentations, um, three twenty six. This is right after Jeremiah saw the devastation, the absolute annihilation of Israel. They were taken off into bondage. The the, the city, Jerusalem, was burned, ransacked, destroyed. Um, And he said, he said, it is. Could could I read that uh, verse before, just right before that? Mm -hmm. 
And here's the point where he is. He said, uh, <coughs> verses 17 and 18. So he was going through this time. He says, you have moved my soul far from peace. I have forgotten prosperity or forgotten good. Mm -hmm. And I said, my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. He got to that place of yeah. temptation. This is mm -hmm. what he was declaring. But then uh, the, this is kind of the backdrop. And then you share. The and victory. then he said, um, remember my afflictions. My sto soul still remembers and sinks within me. Um, through the mercies of the Lord, we have not been consumed beca because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I, s I hope in him. Why? Because the Lord is my portion. He's not gone away in the night. The, ho the, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Verse 26, it is good that one should hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Many times this enduring, this pressuring to lose hope is one of the most difficult trials, but it is good for us, he says, to wait patiently, to see the faithfulness of God. And you can't see the faithfulness of God if you don't go through the tempest, if you don't go through the shipwreck, if you don't go through the, the annihilation. Your soul is sinking within you. You've forgotten prosperity. Everything looks bad. It, it doesn't look like it's going anywhere. But that's not the end. This is not the end. So, Father, we pray today that as we look to you and our hope is anchored in you, Lord God, that you have a purpose and a plan for our life, that we will not grow weary in well-doing. Father God, for in due season we will reap if we do not faint. And you, you, you said our labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so, Lord God, as we seek you, as we hope in you, as our hope is anchored in you, it doesn't really matter what it looks like. It doesn't really matter how it feels because this is all temporary in this place of exile. But the truth is that the day is soon coming when all of these hopes will be fulfilled, the dreams will be completed, and we will walk in the fullness of your true heart and promise towards us, Father God. And we thank you for Jesus who made all of this possible. Now encourage each one today, Father God, and may this spirit of hopelessness and despair and heaviness be driven from them and lifted off of them. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we command it, we agree with them, that they and you will release into them the revelation of joy and peace and comfort. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.